Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. If you've ever worked at a corporate office and have spent any time in a conference room, you'll know who Crestron is. Founded in 1972, uh, Crestron is focused on creating automation solutions that transform the way people live their lives, making their day-to-day tasks easier, and improving efficiency and productivity. The company is much, much more than just the office. Join me for, joining me for today's podcast is Dan Feldstein. Let me bring him up on the podcast. There is Dan. Uh, he's How are new- you? I'm uh, great, Dan. You're the new president and CEO of Crestron, although you're not new to the company. We'll talk about that in a moment. And I wanted to welcome you to today's podcast. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Great. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had a busy um, <laughs> couple of weeks with the, with the uh, new role. Very excited to talk to you about that. Um, but, you know, let's start talking a little bit about your background. We're going to get into that during the podcast. And I'm going to bring up the, um, obviously, some questions I want to tee off with you. But, uh but you know, let's get uh, you know just a little bit of background on you and uh, familiarity with the company. Sure. So I've been with Crestron uh, basically my whole life, and uh, my father started the company the same year I was born. So uh, I, I've been around the company for since I can remember, and, and that included uh, going going over to the business after school. Uh, to, to wander around and, and be basically babysat by the uh, the production staff sometimes, or uh, or wandering through the parts stock room looking for for things to tinker with and and, uh, and parts to put together and play around with. Uh, and also, it was where I worked. Every time I worked anywhere, it was at Crestron. Whether it was uh, sweeping floors on the production line, building product, uh, or or later working in engineering and uh, uh, programming systems, and and then eventually getting into the software side. Uh, I went to, I, I always had kind of a fascination for electronics and for engineering. Uh, a little of it, of course, uh, I guess, following in my father's footsteps, and, and somehow it just kind of resonated with me of, of what I liked and what I was interested in. So uh, no surprise, I ended up going to engineering school, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I went to uh, RPI in Troy, New York, and I uh, graduated with a computer systems engineering degree, and then I joined Crestron full time in in 1994, uh, where I joined the the engineering department as a software engineer, uh, and and I worked at a lot on a lot of projects early on, uh, some custom software applications that we did, and then some of our tools that we used for for uh, for some of our our dealers programming tools like the viewport and simple windows. Uh, and, and then eventually I got more involved with the, the firmware side and I worked on our two series processors on that side of it. Uh, then it was around 2002, I, I left the engineering side and I got involved with a project to implement our new SAP ERP system. Mm-hmm. And there I led a team of, of people that worked across the, the business uh, working with people from accounting to 
to uh, manufacturing to customer support and learning every every nuance of the business so that we could make sure the system would support uh, su support the infrastructure and, and the growth of the business. Right. Uh, at the time, our, our business was really not quite big enough for an SAP system, but uh, we always looked forward and always had very high hopes of where we were going to go. So, so we made that investment back then, and, and we built on that system ever, ever since. So, so that's, well, that's sorry. Good. No, I, I was just about to say, you know, implementing an SAP system, even when a company is small, that is not a trivial exercise. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, and because uh, I've been through that a few times in my career, with by the way, you know, humongous staffs of people to do that. And uh, it's pretty remarkable that, you know, you were able to, you know, to, you know, chalk that up as early part of your career. What I want to do is, you know, just talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're not new to the company. You kind of know where all the bodies are, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, talk to me about, you know, Crestron's mission is that, you know, as I said at the top of the podcast, you know, the company has been around for a long time, you know, since 1972, when Richard Nixon was president. I looked that up. Um, kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, the company is really, you know, is really a, a, a um, you know, you, you really can't walk into a, a, a corporate office and not see a piece of Crestron technology, whether it's in the conference room or other places, you know, video conferencing has blossomed in, in, in conference uh, in uh, corporations. You, um, that's uh, been obviously a big deal as well. But let's talk about why, you know, the, the Crestron mission from your perspective and why is the company endured for 50 years? I mean, there's not many companies. I mean, when you're in the 50 year range, you know, you're in Apple territory and you're older than, uh, than Google. And, but you know, you've got some pretty good company for companies that have been around that long. Hmm. Well, I think the the biggest thing is is our commitment to to our path, our commitment to our customers. We, uh, my father felt it was always very important to to stay private so that he could control the destiny of the company. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that was very important to him because he didn't want want to have to answer to to anybody but himself and and our customers. And, and and that's really what's allowed us to really over the years, every move we make, everything we do, we're always focused on that core, uh, the, the AV integrator market, uh, and and the uh, and our end users. And we're allowed to really think what what do we need to do for this market? And we don't have to think in terms of what do we need to do this quarter for that market. We can, mm -hmm. we can take a very long term approach. Uh, we've always been focused on innovation. My father was, of course, a, an engineer, and, and that was his passion uh, and mine as well. So we've always uh, we've always built the company focusing on how do we solve the world's problems, uh, and, and then how do we make it easy for people to do business with us, and how do we deploy those those solutions to our customers. So I think it's that that focus and that commitment that that's allowed us to to stick with it for this long uh, because we haven't gotten distracted by a lot of other things that, that would potentially knock us off course. Right. Well, and you know, you said something that's really interesting is that, you know, many companies, especially publicly traded companies, they have to manage for the current quarter, maybe the current, uh, the quarter in front of them. They don't have that long view of the marketplace and in the, in the um, space that you operate in, 
you know, you don't make investments for one year. I mean, you make investments over a series of, uh, of, of years. And, uh, you know, obviously it's the, the way that the company's being managed, I think, plays well to that, uh, that capability. Correct? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, I'll bring it up here. You know, you, again, as I mentioned before, I mean, I mean, you can't say restaurant to somebody who's older than, you know, 30 and I'm not knowing who the company is. You've been around a long, long time. You know, I like and I've told this to uh, your team is that Crestron was really about the smart home before it was a smart home. You know, it was you know, called home automa automation or, you know, a, a, a home with uh, with with advanced ca connectivity capability. Uh, so it really, you know, you guys really have been a, 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 really ahead of the loop. In, in terms of that, how do you see your engagement with the smart home? Because the smart home, in many ways, has been a DIY phenomenon. Right. There are issues with being DIY in terms of the support challenges and the installation challenges and getting all this disparate stuff to work well together. But at a high level, uh, Dan, how do you approach the smart home and how do you see tweaking the strategy over the next couple of years if you are going to tweak the strategy? Right. And, and we've been in the home for a long time. We actually started more in the workplace and, and our foray into the home came more from people who, who liked the, our automation products in the workplace, wanting a similar experience at home. Uh, and that's how we, we saw this was a real market and there was real value here. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's when we began developing products that were more specifically geared towards the home market. Uh, and that's how we also got out of just being a control company to also having audio distribution products and video distribution uh, and a number of other products that, that played a lot better in a, in a home environment at, at that time. So uh, at that time, to your point, there wasn't much in the world of home automation, uh, unless you went to Radio Shack and got your XN uh, 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 button uh, panel yeah. plugins and switches. Uh, there wasn't really much you could do. So sure. Uh, so we were really at the front edge of that. And, and in any new early adoption industry, things are always a little, uh, a little wild west. Uh, installs became everything was very, very customized and very specific to each each user and what they wanted to do. As the industry has evolved and matured, like with any industry, what you can do now with off-the-shelf products and really commodity products uh, far surpasses a lot of the things that we were doing uh, way back then. So, so what we need to do and what we have always done is continue to innovate, continue to push things forward, and continue to evolve. Uh, we can't. The the industry doesn't allow for that that sort of wild west approach to hey yeah we'll come in we'll kind of figure it out. And we'll right. figure this out on the fly. Uh, people don't want techs sitting around their house for two months trying to figure this stuff out. So no, no, it, it's, a, it's a good point. And, you know, there are initiatives out there like the Matter Initiative, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is kind of that yet one more, you know, um, kind of uh, attempt by the industry to take control of interoperability and make things work well together. Now, the, one of the advantages, though, that Crestron has is that Crestron has a very, very strong dealer channel. And, you know, when people ask me, you know, hey, what should I, you know, if I have a real sophisticated installation with, you know, a large home with many rooms, I want to do uh, different things. 
having a very strong dealer channel can be very, very helpful because in many cases, uh, you know, those dealers know the, the issues and challenges that a customer has versus just buying some stuff on Amazon.com and then spending a week trying to get it to work. So how do you kind of, you know, comprehend the, 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 uh, the channel portion of your model? Into, because I, I, it would seem to me that would be a very a, a big a significant strength uh, to you folks. Well, absolutely. That's really our differentiator. We're not going to try to compete with products that you can buy from Amazon. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we don't want to be in that in that market. And primarily because we, we value our our integrator channel, because that's what really gives value to our system. Uh, mm -hmm. We we try to make systems which, while they're as simple to use and uh, as perhaps something that you can just quickly uh, download or, or or buy online, uh, it, a properly integrated system done by a professional uh, is a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. and, and even for some of the D DIY systems where you could get even close to that level of of sophistication and integration. We, most people who can afford them don't have the time to spend trying to integrate them. Uh, so, so it's incredibly value to ha valuable to have that channel and incredibly important for our success in the home for the future. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and like I said, I think that's, that's really, our, to me, that, that's where we set the bar as if, if you want to have a Crestron home, you need a professionally installed home. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's fascinating because I like to tell people that, you know, most people I know, you know, people who are not in the industry, uh, you know, that if you don't want to, you really don't want to become the, the CTO of your house. I mean, some people enjoy it. You know, I like it. My, my guess is with your engineering background, Dan, you probably enjoy, you know, taking a weekend, getting something to work. But the, the average consumer just wants it to work. Right. And, and your and Crestron's reputation as a corporate entity, you know, co companies are all about 24 seven and something working all the time before it was called 24 seven. I mean, you had, you know, you could not install a video conferencing system or a, um, uh, a an audio video system or security systems or uh, the um, HVAC uh, systems that you guys, um, you know, are known for without it working, you know, like dial tone, you pick up the phone, you hear dial tone, it has to have that level of reliability. And in the smart home, that still is a gap. You know, people to un unfortunately spend more time getting into work than enjoying the benefits and the potential. Right. Absolutely. You know? and, and that's why a big drive for us in the home is it's not about the features. It's about the reliability and, yeah. and creating that experience, but making it a consistent experience. When you want to go watch, uh, uh, watch something on TV, you want to hit a button and it works and you don't want to have to run down to the basement and debug wiring issues and, and other problems. So that, that's, that's been a huge push for us with, with our Crestron Home initiative, uh, which started as our ping uh, product, which really allows a much simpler uh, installation process, a lot less customized in the sense that you're not writing custom code but it's custom configured. So that means that the, the code behind the scenes has been tested and, and beaten up as, as much as we can to make sure it's rock solid and it's gonna work. So, right. so that's, I, I think for us, the real next step in the home is to try to deliver that amazing customized experience 
but in a way where it's it's as reliable as a off-the-shelf product. I I, uh, I wish you well in that endeavor. I know, I know there's a lot of demand for that. You know, I mean, it, it's so funny, and I want to get to the next topic, but there's so much demand for smart home solutions. And, you know, as you probably know, and I, I you know, this is uh, not an a, um, uncommon um, uh, fact, the, 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 the category at retail that's the biggest return category um, is smart home products. Uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, Best Buy has data around this, but you know, you go to Best Buy and who's dedicated a lot of shelf space to the smart home, uh, people walk in, they love it. And guess what? If they can't get it to work, you know, they have very liberal return policies. They bring the product back. It, it could be working completely well, but you know, the, most consumers don't have, have the time to spend, you know, you know, days and weeks getting things to work. So I'm glad you've, um, you guys have, our, our, our continue to be committed to that. Um, let's talk about um, the hybrid workplace. You know, the, the, the world has changed dramatically over the last uh, couple of years, um, you know, knock wood. And I think we're kind of sort of coming out of this. Uh, you know, see, you know I, what I use as a gauge for that is CES is actually going to be CES in person this year in a much more limited fashion because you're going to ask people to be vaccinated. But, you know, the, um, you know, obviously you've got uh, folks have a, a view of the hybrid workplace. I am sure like a lot of other companies, you've actually implemented those practices um, with your, imp uh, your employees themselves because you want to make sure that uh, you understand the issues that your clients are, are, are comprehending. So let's talk about, you know, about the, the hybrid workplace, Crestron, because there's still a lot of le uh, legacy customers and clients that are coming out of this. They still haven't really defined what their policy is going to be. They may be changing it over time. You know, I, I do think we're in some kind of new normal where some companies are going to have some type of hybrid approach. They're not going to be skewed one way or the other. But, you know, what, what's uh, Crestron's philosophy on this topic? Right. Well, I, I think even if a company doesn't want to be hybrid, they're hybrid. And, and if for no other reason, because some of their customers will want to meet with them remotely. So companies have to be prepared, even if they're 100 percent in person, that they still have to have the capability to have hybrid meetings. And, and that's really, really where I see things going. You're going to have some fully in-person meetings. You'll have some fully remote meetings. But a lot more meetings will be hybrid where you have uh, some people in an office and then some people remotely and possibly some people in, in other offices uh, in conference rooms together. So it's really all about bringing a, a positive experience to everybody, no matter what type of meeting they're on, no matter how many participants there are, is trying to create that, that great meeting experience. Uh, and and a hybrid meeting is never going to be fully like an in-person meeting, but trying to bridge the gap as much as possible so that it, it it's certainly at least productive. Uh, it, it's maybe not the same uh, uh, banter out uh, that you, you might have in person, but at least the ability to have uh, build relationships and have strong, positive meetings. Uh, and, and and to do that, we, we're... Uh, we're researching a lot of different types of new products that we can come out with to help that experience. We're working with our partners, Microsoft and Zoom, to, to make sure that as they come out with new features in their software to support that hybrid experience and the room experience, that, that we have hardware platforms that can, can really maximize the potential of those platforms. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of change and evolution in this area 
to your point, some people haven't even figured out how are they going to do this? What do they want to do? Uh, and, and that's also an area where for us, we've been dealing with video conferencing systems since they since they began. So we, we've been doing remote and hybrid meetings for well before COVID came, came around. And and I think it's kind of incumbent upon us and really the entire AV industry that that has been doing this to try to help the leaders here and to show so show end users what that experience can be like and help them to solve these problems uh, and really get the right information in front of them so that they can feel confident that if they're going to put in a whole new room system, that it's the right system for them. And it's more importantly going to be the right system for the future. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? You know, you said something a, a few moments ago in terms of you uh, folks have products or looking at new products that you know address this hybrid phenomenon that the world has gone through. You even have tech products right now that within an office, and I, you have a mobile video conferencing workstation, if I recall, that can be moved from conference room to conference room, which I thought is absolutely ingenious, simply because there are going to be some people that are a bit leery about using the equipment that's dedicated you know, in an office. To me, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's an interesting um, consequence of the uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, kudos to the engineers who uh, came up with that, you know, the idea of being able to have a mobile platform that can be moved from, you know, from conference room to conference room. I think that's a great deal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was something we did early on in the pandemic. And just to, to try to get some solutions out there to help people through the, these problems. But I, I completely agree. I think it's going to have some longevity because as people are trying to figure out what is their permanent hybrid model, how do they want to work, how do they want to configure their rooms, uh, it, it becomes a great option to, to sort of uh, have some of the technology available to you without making that massive commitment today. Uh, so a lot of our, our customers are making those commitments and are, and are building out rooms to be uh, specialty rooms. Uh, others are kind of waiting and trying to see what, where the world is going. So this gives us the opportunity to support them uh, no matter what path they want to take. Well, uh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. You know, I've got to ask this last question in the, f in the few minutes that we have left. You know, you've been with the company for 25 years. You're not a newbie. <laughs> you know, I used the phrase before, you, you kind of know where the bodies are. I mean, that in the nicest way um, possible. But you know what's interesting is a lot of the clients that I deal with, you know, uh, with, with, you know, very senior folks, the people that rise to the senior leadership at the president, CEO level, where you are, you know, many of them, some of them have engineering backgrounds. Some of them have, um, you know, more marketing business backgrounds. Uh, you've got folks who, um, you know, have not worked for the same company. They're coming in brand new to either fix a company or, you know, or continue the momentum the company is on. Well, I want to talk about your leadership style a little bit, how the different roles you've had before prepared you for the, the position you're in right now. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I think the, the engineering background certainly helps because we're in the technology industry. Uh, and while every other aspect of the business is incredibly important, it, it starts with the innovation. It starts with the product. Uh, then once we have the, a great product, now we need to be able to support it. We need to uh, sell it. We need to make it and all those other aspects. So I think 
the engineering side helps me to work with our engineering teams and make sure that we're our roadmap looks solid for the future and and that we're we're going down a good path and uh my background in the company allows me to work with all the other individuals in our organization to make sure that that we take a very holistic approach to how we we uh engage with our customers how we deal with these new products what do we do with them it's not about just throwing a product out in our catalog and saying, okay, good luck. Uh, it's about <laughs> wrapping around the support and the, the education for our sales team and for our end users uh, and, and making sure that we're putting out great solutions and not just boxes. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, let me do a shout out for your dad. Have you, have you, you know, what lessons have you learned from your father? You know, um, I mean, I, to me, that's a, uh, you know, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit with that question, I guess. But, you know, the, the, I am sure that you were an observant young man working there for 25 years. What are the, the, the some of the positive things that you think your father led the company with that you'd like to continue as part of uh, Crestron's DNA? Sure. Well, other than teaching me how to read uh, resistor value codes and... Uh... <laughs> Uh, and how to calculate the voltage in a circuit. Uh, okay. he, he told me a lot about just um, the biggest thing was how to treat people. Mm -hmm. and, and there were two major lessons. One was about being fair to people. And the other was about humility, that no matter how good you think you are, nobody has a right to be arrogant or, or think they're better than anyone else. Uh, and, and I think that's also back to one of your first questions, what's allowed us to be around for 50 years is, is, is trying to stay humble and treat people fairly. You can't always, you can't always be nice, uh, but you, you, you should try to be fair. Uh, and, and that means a different thing in, in every situation, but that's really one of the core values of whenever I'm engaging with somebody, whether it's a, a partner, a customer, an employee, I always try to put myself in their shoes and and think, how would I want to be treated in this situation? And and that's really probably one of the most valuable things I learned from him. That, that's really refreshing to hear because as someone who, you know, you can see the Golden Gate Bridge behind me, who's been in, in Silicon Valley for the last um, 14 years, you know, humility is not the most common attribute that you see. I won't name names, but, uh, you know, egotism is, uh, is not a... Uh, is uh, not a hot commodity out here <laughs> with uh, with senior level uh, leaders. Now it's, it's great to see. Well, um, well, it also helped that it took us fifty years to get to where we are, and not five. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, you know, humility. You know, you and I, and I, you know, I get the feeling you're not saying humility just to make it as a talking point. I, you know, I've interfaced with your team quite a bit over the last couple of years, and I know many of them. And uh, you know, humility is obviously, I think, a thing that is probably common with many of the. Um, the folks that you employ there at the company. And it's great to see that from a tops down standpoint, that seems to be part of the um, uh, the management style. But let me ask you one last question. Any other parting messages? You know, we're going into the holiday break. I appreciate you taking the time for that, but any last messages that you want to impart to the audience? Well, I would just say, uh, let's stay positive looking forward. I think if we're all careful uh, over the next few months, hopefully we can, uh, can continue to get through this pandemic and look to the future. And I think uh, I think the future is very bright for for all of us. Uh, so I, I think we just have to 
make it through these difficult times, stay and, and be positive and work together, and, and we'll get through it. Well, those are great uh, words of uh, wisdom, Dan, as we head into Thanksgiving. So, Dan, listen, thank you for taking the time for joining me for today's podcast. For our viewing and listening audience, please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Vina Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great week and a great Thanksgiving Day holiday with your friends and family. Dan, thanks again. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm.